Welcome to our After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership. Our podcast is here to help teachers and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. If you work in education and looking to improve or develop your skills, then this podcast is here to help you. Welcome back to After the Bell podcast brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership. Georgie McIntyre here, Director of Learning and Development for the Classroom Partnership and host of After the Bell podcast, which we hope you've been listening to regularly. And we've had some great conversations and discussions um, in various topics. So we hope that you find these useful and they're light and easy and you can take away some top tips. Um, We're returning to focus on a new series of podcasts, and this is the fourth habit in this series. And joined with us today are Helen Morgan, a previous head of school and also associate for Thirsty Scholars Partnership. She's written a number of courses for us. And Andy Bridge, who's a current deputy principal. Edge habits are extremely relevant within the education arena. And we explore the habits or edge habits that educators need to develop and thrive and achieve success. So, as I mentioned, our fourth habit is going to be making time your friend. Um, and in school, time often feels like the enemy and there's never ever enough. Um, and often we don't like to delegate because we think that we can do it quicker and faster. And we want to make sure the job's done properly. I'm guilty of that one as well. Um, And other times we don't separate the important tasks from the mundane and and you can often get bogged down in the email inbox joy that we all have. So looking at strategies and approaches, we're going to start these conversations. So I'm going to introduce Helen. Welcome and thanks for being here again, Helen. And what do we mean by making time our friend? Hi Georgie, Uh, hi Andy, it's great to be here today. I think it's a lovely phrase that isn't it, making time your friend and I think it's about um, making sure that we use our time really productively, that we use it really wisely, that we we manage our time well so that we're not rushed off our feet, that we're not overloaded with tasks, that we haven't got a a to-do list that's 65 miles long um, and that, you know, time feels like we can, um, something where we can get the job done in the amount of time that we've got rather than always feeling like we're really up against it. Yeah, totally. And Andy, how would you uh, apply that in your current school environment at the moment? Yeah, I think the the interesting thing in schools, um, there's like a lot of correlation between, um, you know, different research saying that jobs where people are happier is where they've got more autonomy over the time and the very nature of teaching is very restricted timetable a lot of your time blocked out for you um you know main scale teacher might only have two or three hours of non-teaching time in a week um that's really hard to kind of sometimes find satisfaction in that and keep on top of your to-do list so i think that's a real challenge in schools um once you've wiped out all the time that you're actually in the classroom the little bit of time that you've got left soon fills up with meeting CPD, phoning parents, and suddenly you've got no time whatsoever. So that's a real um, challenge. And I just think it's so interesting. I was reading um, a book recently, 4,000 Weeks, Time and How to Use It um, by Oliver Berkman. And it's, we don't often get a chance to just stop and reflect 
um, on the idea that like time's the one thing that we can't stop and it will it will happen whether we want it to or not and actually how have we used our time and are we spending time on things that are productive that we care about that make a difference that matter or are we just getting through the day and none of us want to just get through the day do we helen we want to feel like they've made a difference and um and we're managing our time more effectively so how do we go about making time our friend then i think one of the key things i mean that's it's interesting isn't it how do we actually do it because time doesn't stop um and we've got to like andy said really think about how we use that time in a productive and useful way i think one of the biggest challenges is um we often don't stop pause reflect and take some time to actually manage our time um and this was a discussion that i was having um on linkedin um a couple of weeks ago because it seems to be something that comes up all the time in coaching conversations or in discussions with people in schools. And I think if we actually spent more time allocating our time and really taking time to schedule it and link to our priorities, then probably we'd use it a little bit more effectively. Whereas often what we end up doing is just bouncing from task to task um, because it's so busy. Andy. Do you have that kind of experience as well? I mean, you're 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 down in the weeds, dare I say it, when you're at school. So, uh, do you also have that experience? Yeah, completely. I literally had that same discussion this morning with um, another colleague in our leadership team about how it how it feels quite relentless at the moment. The pace and part of that's just the term and the kind of run up to GCSE exams is is always kind of similar at this time of year. But suddenly, you find yourself in a place where you just surviving day to day, trying to plow down your to do list. There's loads of parents evenings, options evening, school shows, late nights, um, and and you've not got the space to do anything strategic or to stop and think and reflect and prioritise. Like before you know it, you just just about keeping your head above water um, and getting through the days, which is it's not a good way to operate. So, you know, you you can do it short term, um, but it's not it's not productive to to be in that position for long. And, and it kind of um, feeds into our previous podcast where we were focusing on keeping your tank full. It, that then sort of emerges into sort of your well-being and, and those sort of challenges as well. So, yeah, it, it, it is really important that we're focused on the time and that we're doing some sort of effective scheduling, as you mentioned, um, but also allocating time to pause and reflect for ourselves. Um, that's my personal perspectives of why it's important. But Helen, what would you also share? Yeah, I think it's important, you know, like like you said, in terms of um, your well-being, in terms of being effective in your role. And I think when we think about time management, um, we've got to really be quite disciplined with it and disciplined with making sure that we do stop and take that time to think about, you know, how much time... How much time do I actually need to spend on this and then allocate the right amount of time? I think often, I, I don't know about either of you, but like I'm massively over ambitious when I look at a task and I never allocate the amount of time it's going to take. I allocate a, a notional amount of time and then wonder why sometimes I'm absolutely up against it. I think I do that with every single task that I'm ever given to do is 
Robert right. my wife always says, every time you think something's going to take, Andy, you need to double it and add half again, because I am so guilty of cramming so much in and my diary. I was saying, yeah, I can do that for Friday. Yeah, I can do that by tomorrow night. That'll only take half an hour, and it never does. Um, and we kind of, didn't we, sorry, last time about kind of the power of, you know, not now, but also with time management, sometimes it's about the power of no. Um, and I think for me, sometimes we're, we're very keen to please people, so we agree to lots and lots of different things, even when we have scheduled our time, so that time runs even more, and that can be really difficult. Yeah, absolutely, and and we're all guilty of that. Is actually over committing, um, and uh, and and then there's what I would refer to them as uh, that there are they're all challenges, but what time suckers. The email inbox for me, I can get immersed in that for a whole day if 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 I want to, and and also I'm uh, I think we're all guilty of putting off a task that we really really don't want to to focus on, and and actually um, and not leaving it till the end of the day, and then something else slips in, and we never we find we've never actually delivered what we said we were going to do at the beginning of the day. So actually. By effective scheduling, you can really help support and and get those nitty gritty jobs out of the way first thing in the morning to allow you to feel like you've actually achieved. What would you say, Andy? I completely agree. I have a pathological hatred of emails. I literally hate them. And uh, I think it might be you, Helen, I was speaking to mentioned um, a few weeks ago about people's like addictions to social media or loving checking the phones like release of dopamine or whatever it is when you um phone buzzes or pings i hate it i literally hate seeing emails come in because it's just relentless it's just it drags your time and your energy away from anything that you want to do because you're constantly just battling to get your inbox under control i think that kind of whole thing about waiting for the next ping really kind of sucks your time as well and i think you know one of the things as an educator or just as a human that you can do to, to help manage your time better is sometimes put your phone in a different room when you've got a task to do because you'll get it done about 200 times quicker if you're not picking up your phone um, every 12 minutes. And I don't know about you, but on my iPhone at the moment, um, it gives you weekly stats about how often you pick up your phone, how much time you're spending on it, how much time is social media and how much is productive. Um, and those stats um, are terrifying. They make me want to go and put my phone into the bin um, because the biggest thing that gets in the way of effective time management, I think, is often technology, which is meant to save us time. So we've got to really kind of consider how we manage that, haven't we? Yeah, and also um, totally, I, I think, um, emails, the inbox, social media, telephones the latest word all I'm guilty of that and uh, other time suckers I think also meetings meetings for meeting sake have you been called on a meeting do you really need to be there um, is there something that you could have been doing else otherwise or could you be updated do you have to have that meeting is it is there a way of communicating a message out differently um, so, yeah, the, there are lots of what we call time suckers. So it'd be great to actually give everybody some top tips that they can take away um, in these conversations as well. So, Helen, what do you do 
as well as putting your phone away in another room <laughs> to uh, to enable you to uh, manage and make time your friend? So I have kind of two personal strategies that I use. Um, one is linked to my to-do list. And I look at my to-do list, which is always way too long. And I would never get to the bottom of it in a day. So what I do is I think about what are the two or three things that day that I have to get done. And most of the time, I can get through those two or three things. And actually, I end the day um, feeling really positive that I've got those two or three things done, rather than beating myself up because I haven't got to the end of the the to-do list. Um, I think the other one is about putting my phone in a different room when I've got a piece of extended work or thinking um, to do. But I also kind of would share with people um, one of the key things that I've seen people use as a, a time management matrix. It's a, a piece of theory um, that's often used. But effectively, if you work around four quadrants, of that time management matrix. It's about deciding what is urgent and what's important. Um, and the first thing is you've got to decide what things you need to do. The second bit is about thinking about what things on your list could you delegate. And the third one is thinking about which ones that you might kind of delete. Um, and the fourth one is, is the extreme of just dump those things <laughs> and run as fast as you can away from them but I think one of the key things is you know that decision about whether you do it yourself whether you delegate it or whether you delete it can be really really helpful where should it be on your priority list so they're my top three so do delegate or dump is that what you're saying do, Helen yeah do, do delegate, delegate dump. dump or delete <laughs> Do delegate, dump or delete. I love that. I love that. That's that's a great, great <laughs> strategy there. And I, I can um say that the the I think it's bullet point journaling, isn't it? It the the to-do list. I, I every week I'll have my huge long list of things that I I'm are still on my to-do list and I carry those over. Um, and then um, I again then prioritize them one, two, three, four, five, six, which has got to be done in a time order. And then I actually write on a separate piece of paper the one, two or three things that I want to try and achieve that day. And then I shut my to do list and that sits on the top. So that means that that's all I really focus on. For the rest of the day, sometimes you'll get slippage and other things will come in. Um, but it does mean that I normally achieve at least the first thing that's on the top of the list, if nothing else. Um, and my other top tip, um, and it's a brilliant thing that if you're on um, Microsoft Office, you can actually switch it on. So if you have all of your meetings or your, your school timetable or in your um, Outlook office, and you also then allocate time for your break, your lunch or whatever, if you actually get one of those, obviously, um, you it then automatically allocates focus time so you can specify through uh, microsoft outlook whether you would like to have how many days a week you'd like focus time and how many hours you would like so whether you want a block of one hour two hours or even smaller um, and you just press the button at the beginning of the week it reminds you to set it um, on an email, you press it and it just automatically allocates the focus time for the following week. So when you get to the, the following week, you think, first of all, your diary looks really busy, which it is anyway, but actually you'll then notice there's focus time put in there 
that you'd forgotten that you'd booked. So then you go, oh, actually, I've got two hours now where I can really get my head down and do things. Um, and I found that that actually has really helped me as a tool. So thank you, Microsoft Office. I didn't think I'd ever say that, but it really, really works. Um, so yeah, huge, hugely useful. And also I find going out and having a little walk around the garden or just five, 10 minutes just to go and do another job because um, I work from home remotely. So actually being able to switch off from what you're doing, going and do something different and then come back makes you refocus a lot quicker. So they would be my three top tips. Andy, what about yourself? Um, very similar to what you've said. I think the only bits to add maybe would be I've kind of moved away from a to-do list and instead when a, a job comes in or something I need to do, just putting that straight into my diary for a piece of time um, and you know, blocking out two hours, putting it in my Outlook diary or my paper diary, rather than having just a list of things, allocating the time straight away of when it'll be done. And then the only other one is similar to Helen, putting a phone in other rooms, starting to work on my computer with Outlook closed, because that, when you're trying to work and that constant pinging, you do end up looking at your emails, you do end up, oh, I'll just reply to this, I'll just reply to that, I'll just look at this, and suddenly you're two hours where you were going to do a big piece of work's gone with, with that email churn that we've talked about. I also kind of think, just building on yours, Andy, there, there are kind of two other ones. Um, I don't know about you, but I often have something that is on my list that I procrastinate with, um, like massively, because I really don't want to do that job, uh, or it stays at the bottom of the list. And there's a nice bit of theory called um, eat the frog or swallow the frog. And it's about seeing that one task as a, a frog and looking at your to-do list each day picking off the thing that you really don't want to do and getting it done first so it's just out of the way and it's not sitting on on your shoulder um which i think can be quite useful and the other one i think particularly in a whether this be a school or an industry context is meetings i love someone who is ruthless with time in a when they're chairing a meeting and really kind of make sure that we get through the agenda and make sure that the meeting finishes on time. I think one of the worst things that, that ever happens is when you get into a meeting that really overruns and the person who's chairing it doesn't keep it tight. Absolutely. I think uh, it sounds like you've got someone knocking to come in your, I know you've got some work going on, Helen, so uh, I was joking there. Um, so I think let's wrap up and think about what would, what would uh, your one key takeaway be, Andy? I think um, my key takeaway is acknowledging there's so, only so many hours in the day. There's only so much work that you can fit in. So doing some of that prioritising that Helen said, which are the things that are the most urgent, the most important, um, which will you delegate, which will you dump, and then being quite ruthless, you know, sometimes clearly urgent safeguarding matters whatever might crop up that disrupt your diary and blow everything out but on the whole if you do try and be really disciplined with what you said you're going to do and try and make yourself stick to that that can be really really helpful yeah brilliant i love that andy so uh sticking to it and we're powering through here and helen what would your uh your your one key takeaway be with your uh builder in the garden today <laughs> 
Yeah, don't have somebody um, putting up a house sign when you're <laughs> podcasting is probably my top tip, but it's efficient use of time. I think my top tip is, is about making time to plan your time. And I think that's the bit that we often don't do. If we make some time, even on a weekly basis, to think about the week ahead, it can really help you to, to be more productive and more effective. Absolutely. And, and I, I've now got into the habit on before I close my desk on the end of the week is actually writing my to do list ready for the Monday makes me much more effective for the next day. Um, so my one key takeaway is to do dump delegate delegate or delete. So I love that, Helen. I'm going to go away and uh, draw up a little matrix of my to do list right now. Um, thank you so much to our experts, Helen Morgan and Andy Bridge. Time is precious. I know that Andy has to run uh, for his uh, next meeting for uh, for focusing in on things. And in our next podcast, because we're going to be thinking about the edge of habits again, we're going to actually think about keeping the main thing the main thing. So in um, line with Stephen Covey, school positive education is busy and prioritising can be a real challenge, which we've kind of covered today. Um, and often as educators, you can end up juggling or be distracted. So this really links in. Covey has actually identified um, keeping the main thing the main thing as one of the seven habits of highly effective people. So in next week's podcast, we're going to explore how as educators, we can prioritise effectively. And I think some of these tips we can unpack a bit, unpack a bit further and also ensure that we stay focused on the things that really matter. Um, you can pick up the After the Bell podcast, which are released on a weekly basis, and we hope provide quick tips and discussions with our experts, focusing in around all things educational. And ideally, you can listen to this on your daily commutes, while you're working, in the background, on your treadmill, or your focus for the day. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you next week. Mm-hmm.